So this morning, we're talking about risk, risk in relationships. And I want to start out with showing you something very special. So please attenuate yourselves to the screens. Pretty fantastic. So I had no idea Nick had his own thing on TLC, so maybe check into that. We'll be hearing a little bit later uh, uh, about Nick. Now, how many of you, when you saw him jump off the diving board, thought that's risky? <laughs> right? Um, just, a, just a great visual for all of us who are going to be sitting here wrestling with what we're going to hear from Jesus Christ today. And we will come up with a thousand excuses. And yet, it's not just Nick that I want you to see in that picture. Who took the bigger risk? His wife. And do you think it was a risk to even have a child? What would you think of if you were Nick or Nick's wife? You'll hear later on from Nick's testimony about the bullying and the ridicule that he had to grow up with. Imagine what it would be like to be his son or his daughter. Think about the things you would have to wrestle with just to have normalcy in your life, just to have the blessings that would come in life, and think about wrestling with those risks. This morning we're talking about risks and risks in relationship. And one of the things I love thinking about is... Uh, this idea of real relationship. We live in a society that is surface. We live in a texting society. We live in a society where our relationships are dictated by our thumbs. Right? 
And so we thought this summer, let's talk about what it means to have real relationship because I don't believe it's just necessary to do that. And, and there's two elements we'll do every single week. Number one is, what is real relationship with Christ? And, and we're breaking that down into rewarding relationships. We're talking about response and relationship. We've talked about reconciliation and relationship. Today is risk and relationship. Because if you know me and you know how I speak, I, I always try to think of how you're thinking when we give you principles, when we give you precepts, as you're sitting there and you're wrestling with those ideas and those thoughts, I'm thinking, what are they thinking? What are they perceiving? Because you're not allowed to speak, right? I mean, talk about an inefficient way to teach. You're not allowed to speak. So I have no idea what you're thinking or, or, or how to answer those questions because I don't know what your questions are. So I have to think ahead to what those questions might be. And that dictates how we flow a little bit. So this morning, when you're thinking about what are the risks in my life, we've got to think in terms of our spiritual life, and we have to think in terms of the relationships around us. And how do we have real relationship? Number one, we're going through this study because we need to, or, or, or that it's, it's good for us to grow in this area. But number two, I think our society is wanting for a relationship. I think we're so busy that we have foregone real relationships. So we've kind of broken this down. It doesn't mean that this is a magic formula, but this might help you with understanding what real relationships are. Number one, we've said that real relationships are rewarding. Number two, they're engaging. Number three, they're authentic. And number four, they're loving. And we will try week in, week out to use this grid to help us think through how to have real relationship. And so this morning... Why am I talking about risk? Because I think that's one of the questions you're coming up with in reaction to what I might be preaching. Well, Pastor Jeremy, you want us to have real relationship. You want us to be responsive. You know what happened last time I was responsive and reached out to somebody? I got that door slammed right back in my face. I'm not doing it again, Pastor Jeremy. You don't know what you're at. I do know what I'm asking you. Jesus knows what he's asking you to do. And so the real challenge and the real polemic we have is we have a bunch of damaged, injured, scarred people in the room today. Probably most of us. And the question for you and I this morning is, where does that leave us? What do we do with that? What do we do with that? Do we play it safe, no risks, and live with regret? Or do we decide to risk as Christ has asked us to risk and receive scars? We're going to change some thinking this morning a little bit. Risk is required for reward. Real relationships are the result of risk. It's very true, and you saw that with, the, with that opening video with Nick. So this morning we're going to start with this idea of imagine a world. You guys like that guy? The guy that always, imagine a world. You know, that does the movie, movie primers. Imagine a world with no difficulty. Imagine a world without hurt. Imagine a world... You guys getting sick of that voice? Okay, I am too. Imagine a world without disappointment. Imagine a world without rejection. Guess what you've imagined? Heaven. Right? That's not our world. So what do you do with it? So what do you do with it? Well, 
If you're married in the room, you had to make a risky decision, didn't you? I remember when Janine and I were going through this, I was just sharing with, with Kenny and Andrea yesterday, friends of ours from down south, that are getting ready to get married. I'm, I'm doing premarital with them. And um, I was sharing how when Janine and I were progressing in our relationship, it was wonderful. And we had come up here to visit friends. We, we weren't even engaged yet. She's looking at me like, are you really going to tell this story? I'm going to risk the aftermath of what may happen in privacy after church today and continue to share with you this story. Uh, and, and, and so we were up here, and we've been dating for several months. She probably corrects that and says years or something. But, you know, we were up here. We were, I was meeting people, and we were up for an event. I think it was her high school reunion or something. And so I was damaged just from that. And that was risky for me to attend that. And, when, and so we're traveling from like Carmel all the way to Santa Maria to see my family. And I had a ring in the trunk of the car for her. That I, a very special time I had planned. I was going to give it to her. It was, my, it was a promise ring. It was my first step of commitment to her. And, from car, and, and, and so that was going to happen at a luncheon with my parents. So we're, we're tra- you know, you get it, right? We're traveling that way. And from Carmel to Santa Maria, I think it's 65 miles an hour because I don't ever break the law. I think that's like three and a half hours. My loving girlfriend let me come to a deeper understanding of the need for commitment. For three and a half hours. The entire time there's a ring sitting in the trunk. And I weighed the risk of giving that ring for two and a half hours. But she still has it. And it obviously worked out well, right? So for those of us that are married, you know, you took a risk. What about your friends? How many of you have been burnt by friends? Don't raise your hands. How many of you have been burnt in friendships? How many of us have been burnt by family? We're estranged from family. How many of us with our neighbors, there's been some minor offense? We've even thought about moving out of a neighborhood. How about when we're looking for a house, we say these words, it's a good neighborhood or it's a bad neighborhood. It's risky, right? What about church? You know, going to church is very risky, isn't it? Going to church is very risky. And there's a lot of people that are sitting at home and they just watch stuff on video because it's safer. But here's the thing. You can't have community. You can't have real relationships that way, can you? Now, if you're sick and you need to stay home or you're traveling, yes, watch the video. But... Folks, we're talking about real relationship, and then when it comes to Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to focus on this passage out of Matthew 16. Let me read it to you. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? 
Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So why are we, why are we talking about that? What's, what's the focus on this? Well, let me first quote something. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, has a, a, a great dialogue between Susan Pevney and Mr. Beaver. And Susan has no clue yet who Aslan is. And Mr. Beaver's trying to describe him. And she uh, says this, Aslan is a lion? The lion? The great lion? Ooh. Oh, actually, I read that wrong. Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Ooh, says Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, says Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. That's who we're talking about. What is the risk of relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's start there today, shall we? Let's break this down. You know, Mr. Beaver tells us he isn't safe, but he's good, right? He's a king. And, and we want to sterilize our society, don't we? we? We now have entered into this time where millennials have grown up with so many conveniences, and it's all, all kid-centric. We have uh, car-seated, helmeted, and seat-belted the snot out of our kids, if we can't see our kids every moment on a playground, somebody has kidnapped them. I used to walk to church five miles in the snow in third grade. Everything about that was true except snow. And nobody batted an eye about it. If you're over 40, you know what I'm talking about, right? If you're under 30, you're like, I was abused. So this is what Jesus says that we want to focus on. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anybody would what? Come after me. Who in here has made that decision? That Jesus has called you and you said, yes, I am going to come after you. That is not a decision. It is a lifestyle. It is a change. It is a risk. Is it not? Because to count the cost of... Doing what Jesus says here, to come after Him, means that He is now my Lord, He is now my King, He isn't safe, and there is much that He is going to ask of me. Am I ready to do that? We have a lot of consumers, not Christians, that are in the church. And what do I mean by that? It's simply that it looks good, it tastes good, so therefore I will taste of it and partake of it, as long as it tastes sweet. That's what I want. That's not real relationship with Jesus Christ. I really want you to get this horrible, ugly picture in your mind of what it means to say, I don't want risk, I just want to sit here. I want to sit in my reclining electric chair and I want a platter of food served to me on my stomach, like I was talking about last week, right? And I just want the remote in my hands because this is sweet, this is beautiful. This is what? Safe. This is safe. And I just want to sit there. 
and sit there. How many of you ever suffered an injury and you're, you have to sit there, right? And at first, if you're really busy, you're like, oh, this is going to be nice. That lasts for how long? Maybe two days. Maybe two days. But we have churches filled with Christians that just want to sit there. They want to sterilize that risk of what the lion brings to us. Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, there's risk. If you're going to come after me, there's risk. What do you have to do? What's the risk if you come after him? What's the next point? You have to deny yourself. You have to nullify the narcissism. You have to deny it. What does that look like? You know, for you and I, living in this world, this is a key concept. And I challenge you today that this is your walkaway point. This is your walkaway point. How are you denying yourself for the cause of Christ that is giving you risk? And if you don't know, sit and take stock and try to think of things, write things down. And then beyond that, ask people around you. How do you think I'm living in a risky manner for the cause of Christ? And if they can see that, praise God. Then you're following Him. If they can't see it, you might want to get a little more risky. You might want to double down. What else do we have to do? He says, but whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Will find it. Are we really truly prepared to lose our life for his sake? Is that where we're at? Because that's risky, isn't it? That's incredibly risky. What might that lion ask you to do? He might ask you to give up the conveniences. He might ask you to give up your agenda. He might ask you to get a little uncomfortable. He might ask you to live life to the full, which is what he promises. Does he not? Remember that statement. Because if you want, if you want just a portion of what Christ has for you, which you're going to get all that in eternity, right? If you want just a portion, just a, a small taste, you want to go to Costco and just get the sample size. Right? We have so many, and, and, and myself included, that because of the risk, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to eat like 4,000 pounds of that stuff. And where am I going to stock it? And it, on and on and on we go, right? Now, translate that into spiritual terms. I don't know, God, you know, if, if I'm cut out to do this. Hey, I don't know if I should mention Christ in this conversation. I don't know if I should deny what I have and give it to somebody else for the purpose of Christ. Went up to Mount Hermon Wednesday afternoon. My daughter, Gentry, made some great friends there last year. She was, she was in her prime, man. She was floating around like she owned the place. Because mom and dad let her go. We're not those parents. Report me, okay? All right? And she loved it. All that freedom. It was, it was like big time. And so she really wanted to go back. But she chose to go to our high school camp. And so I wanted to reward her for that choice. So I drove down Wednesday, picked her up, and took her up to Mount Hermon so that she could spend time with her friends. 
none of those friends came back to camp. <laughs> there went that theory. And yet what happened, she just really wanted to stay, and I couldn't make that happen. And so to some folks in our own church, to their own risk, they pulled out a cot, and they took care of my daughter and made things inconvenient for themselves so that she could have a blessing of being there. Denying themselves. Denying themselves. On and on and on it goes. We've got to lose our life. And what does that mean? That means that we have to say that that narcissism, that part where I'm thinking about myself, that that gets set aside, right? I'm no longer number one. That whatever Christ wants from me, because it is good, because it is right, because it will grow me, and you know what? It's going to leave scars, isn't it? Do you have any scars on you that tell great stories? I do. You see this big, dumb knot on my forehead? I don't have time for that story, but you can ask me at some point in time how I got this one. But it's a great story. It's pretty stupid, but it's a great story. But I have some other scars on me that are the result of bad decisions. We all do, don't we? But many of us have scars on us because of what Christ has done in our life, that those are good things. We wouldn't trade those scars for anything in the world. Amen? But we live in a society that says, don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. It's too much of a risk. He's not a safe lion. Let's move on this morning. So this is to give some perspective this morning and to encourage you. It's the parable of the talents, and it's just a portion. I want, I want to focus on a few things here. It's towards the end of this. He says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He's done this three times. And it's this parable. It's this idea that there was a master that left part of what he had in the stewardship of three separate people. And he comes back and he wants to take account of what did you do with what I gave you? And so he goes one by one by one. And the first, uh, the first few do a really good job. They've taken what's been given to them and at risk, they have done something with it. And what is his response? I just read it to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. What happens next is a travesty. And yet I believe that there are many of us that suffer from this. Verse 25, actually verse 24. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. When we hurt, when we are scared, when we worry about risk, what do we do? We transfer the blame. Somebody else's fault that I didn't do what I was supposed to do. But boy, you want to talk about true words. Now this is a parable. It's a story for us to learn from. So Jesus is trying to get a point across. And the reality is, is why did he not take the risk and do what he was supposed to do with what was given to him? He was what? He was afraid. Do you think Jesus knows that you're afraid to take the risks he's asking you to take? He knows. That's why he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me, says Paul. All things work together for the good of those who what? Believe in Him. It doesn't say that all things are going to be convenient. 
It doesn't say that all things are going to be easy. It says that they will work out for good. He's not a safe lion, but he's a what? He's a good lion. When we are faced with daily decisions and challenges, the question is, is, are you afraid? God. Because if Christ calls you to something, chances are you're going to change a little. You're going to experience something a little bit deeper. And when he says in John 10.10 that I have come to give you life and life to the what? To the full. He means the full. Not a portion. Not a taster size. But the whole thing. That life is incredible. That life requires risk. And risk gives a real relationship with Christ. So what's the problem? By the way, he doesn't say, you wicked and fearful servant, does he? He says, you wicked and lazy servant. Those words should haunt us. We should be prepared to take risk. Second point, by the way, so review rule number one, nullify narcissism. Okay? When it comes to dealing with risk, nullify the narcissism and you'll start thriving and developing real relationships in spite of the risk. You'll have reward in the relationship. Number two, that's where we're heading to. Scars are the result of living to the good and the bad. Regret is the result of choosing not to live for the good and the bad. Risk requires courage. That's where our second point is today. So we've seen what the requirement is from Christ, what He desires for us, and what He promises to us. Now, let's look at how this translates. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 6-10. through 10, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body... And at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to what? To please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now here's something that you have to wrestle with. Number one, risk requires courage. Always be of good courage. He says we are always of good courage. He recognizes that to live in this real relationship with Christ in the world that we live in, it requires courage. Risk requires courage. If we don't muster the courage, if the cowardly lion didn't muster the courage, he never would have made it to Oz. You're like, Pastor, that's not a real story. How does that relate? I don't know. It just came to me. He also says, walk by faith, not by sight. You know, there's not a lot of risk in walking by sight, is there? But when we walk by faith, we have to lean upon Christ. We have to exercise courage. And then we receive the, remember what real stands for, we receive the rewards. What's the engaging part? To walk by faith. What's the authenticity? The authenticity is God is who He says He is, but you're never going to know that if you don't live in risk. And what predicates how we do all this? Love does. Love does. 
So he also says this, that the goal in all of this is that we aim to please him. We aim to please him. And I don't know if you see this in here. And he says, yes, we are of good courage. So he's repeating himself. He's emphasizing. And then he says what we all think. And we would rather... Oh, there it is. There's narcissism again, isn't it? We would rather be away from the body. Anybody in that zone yet? Right? Really? I'm the only one in the room. Okay. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I am so all over that. But what's he say? But our goal, our aim, our focus, our purposefulness is to please who? Him. And he's not a safe lion, so this is going to take courage. How many of your scars reflect great stories? course we can wear helmets we can strap seat belts on we can sit in our recliners or our chairs and never receive any scars and throw away risk and throw away real relationship throw away real relationship with God and with each other you heard testimony this morning about how people in this room are blessed by those who went out of their way. Their aim was to please. They were courageous in what they did. Shelby's getting ready to go over to a place where all they eat is cockroaches. Did you know that, Shelby? <laughs> That's so courageous of you. <laughs> She's like, uh, dine out, please? Shelby's getting ready to go on a missions trip. And by the way, you all better support her and help her out. And we'll get to that later. That may be your courageous part. On and on and on it goes. Some of you have opened up your homes to people that need a place to stay. Some of you sacrificed your lunch to lead a Bible study at work. Some of you have reached out to people that have been estranged to you and you know you're going to get some blowback from it, but you know what Christ says about loving those who don't love you. And you may be sitting here evaluating and saying, Pastor, yeah, okay, so you get it, you understand, but you don't know the hurt. It didn't turn out well. You heard what Sally said in her testimony, right? That pastor was around just long enough to see this person start taking the steps God had for her that he had marked out for her. But he purposely reached out with a message, knowing it was risky, knowing it was challenging. But he just loved on Sally. But there was probably months, years. You said years? A couple years? Four years. Four years of probably questioning, is this doing anything? Is this doing anything? Can I encourage you, brothers and sisters, be of good courage. Because your aim is to please Him. And when our aim is correct, then we stop focusing on ourselves and our narcissism. And when we do that, we may get some scars. But here's the big clip for you and I today. Change your thinking about scars. Change your thinking about scars. Jesus has scars because of you and I, doesn't He? Are those good scars or are they bad scars? Because I will tell you, those scars tell a story. They tell a story.
And what a privilege that I should be scarred for him. What a privilege. This morning as we talk about rule number one, remember, nullify narcissism. This will help you with risk. Two, be of good courage. Make it your aim to please him. This morning as we talk, as, as we wrap up, remember scars are the result of living to the good and bad. Regret is the result of choosing not to live for the good or the bad. This morning as we close, I want you to see the results of a young man who took a lot of risks. I want you to see the results of good courage. I want you to see the results of someone whose aim is to please God. And I want it to encourage you, not so you can cherish it deep in your heart. Sorry if my sarcasm is just so rude. But we in the church are very good at cherishing it deep in our heart. I show this video to you so you are moved to risk for the cause of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's see how this turned out for Nick. You know, I think a lot of people are waiting on God to change a circumstance to really be truly content in the Lord Jesus. But if you're not truly content in what Jesus has already done for you, you do not know what He's really done for you. Um, and that has set me free. And that has given me a platform to believe in miracles, but at the same time, not have to wait for miracles to happen before my joy in Jesus is true and full. Growing up in church, you know, every Sunday, singing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, to believe that God loves us requires a lot of faith. Because I had a lot of questions. If God loved me, then why did He let me be born this way? If God can do all miracles and anything that I ask, He can do it, then why doesn't He give me arms and legs when I ask Him to relieve me of my pain? I wanted to know the answer. I actually felt that God, for some reason, wasn't listening. For some reason, didn't answer my prayer. Um, and I was starting to think that He wasn't real. What was so, um, I guess, really difficult to get through were the years between ages 8 and 12. I was actually the first uh, special needs child to be integrated into a mainstream school. Um, being the only one with no arms and no legs, of course, and in a wheelchair, I had a lot of unwanted attention, um, feeling depressed, feeling alone. At age 10, I actually tried to commit suicide by drowning myself in six inches of water in my family bathtub. After a whole day of being bullied and teased, I just didn't want to live anymore. By the grace of God, on the third time I rolled over in my family bathtub, I saw my mom and my dad crying at my grave. I saw that pain that I would leave behind, and I decided to stay. But I went through depression because no one could heal my heart. No money, no amount of friends, no amount of education or things that I quote-unquote needed to get through my daily life. It just couldn't heal my heart. Finally, at age 15, God answered my prayer. 
And it was when I read John chapter 9. A man was born blind, born with a disability that no one could actually explain. And that sort of sounded familiar to me. People asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? And Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And faith came over me. Hearing of the word produces faith. It, it is a gift. It is not a focus that you can muster up inside. It is a gift given from God when you hear the promises through his word. And that changed my life. He healed my heart. And now I can be an instrument in his hand to let people know as a miracle seeing his strength perfected in my weakness that would have otherwise been not as powerful. It's more powerful seeing a man without arms and legs smiling than someone who got their miracle. What about for the people who didn't get their miracle? And for anyone who's watching right now who thinks that God doesn't have a purpose and what can God ever do with me? Well, look what God did with me. If God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, there is not one person watching this program where God can't use their broken pieces too. Now I want to quote Romans 8.28 where it says, All things come together for the good for those who love him. You know, I thought that the greatest burden in my life was my circumstance. It is not. The greatest burden in your life is not your circumstance. The greatest burden in your life is you not being able to see your life clearly through God's eyes. Knowing that He knows that He's going to be with you and He's going to pull you through. That all things come together for the good. Even the worst part of your life up to this point, God is so big, so mighty, so gracious that He can turn it into some good. If I was born without arms and legs and God did not give me arms and legs miraculously for one soul, bring it on. Now that is real. And that is the result of risk. So what is holding us back? Nothing but ourselves. Nothing but ourselves. I expect to hear story after story this next week of how risk brought you life. Amen? Let me pray and dismiss you today. And as I do pray, I'll pray over your gifts and over your offerings this morning. Please say hi to one another and love on each other and take a risk. Not a dumb, uncalculated risk. Okay, don't do that one. You know, don't eat a Del Taco three days in a row. Okay, that's risky beyond risk. But we're talking about and we aim to please God kind of risk, right? Right? Let me close in prayer. Father, this morning your people have gathered. We gathered because we wanted to catch a sense of you, and I pray that that has happened. 
I know that it's happened for me today. I know that your spirit has been faithful to do what you say he will do and he says he will do. I know that your word has been faithful to do what it says it will do. Now I pray, Lord, that we are faithful to do what we say we do. Help us not to be afraid like the wicked and slothful servant. But let us take risks that the unsafe lion would ask of us because he is good, because he is our king. Father, I pray over the gifts that will be given today, that they will be used for your glory, that you will bless the giver, and that we see lives changed as a result. Let us go in joy, let us go in purpose, let us go in life. Seeking and developing real relationships. To your glory, Father. Amen.